apologize. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is paying 101. The instructor's Casey Jones. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books. Excelsior! Video games, toys, TV shows. Professional wrestling. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> All the things you got made fun of for in high school. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit? So grab your action figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to talk nerdy to me. Hello there. It's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcastum. Welcome to another all-new episode of Talk Nerdy 2 Electric Boogaloo. Before we get things started, let me introduce my my loyal spacefaring bounty hunting crew that is this show. Uh, to my right, we have uh, the Groot of our guardians of the podcasting galaxy, the Doc. Hey, everybody. I am Groot. Actually, I think you're probably supposed to say I am Doc. Oh, I am Doc. (laughs) We'll figure it out. (laughs) Chiming in to correct him is the brains of their duo, the rocket to his Groot, Commander Scott. Hello, once again. Sorry. sorry. The man who keeps the nerd and taught nerdy to me. Thank you. Thank you. And just so I can keep the nerd... And talk nerdy to me. Did you know that the Gone. smallest division of time is Planck time, which is 10 to the negative 43rd seconds? It is equal to the time it takes a photon traveling at the speed of light to travel Planck distance, which is 1.6 times 10 to the negative 35 meters. Just FYI. Thank you for living up to your name. And joining us after an absence, the man who was just scratching his forehead saying, why did I come back? <clears throat> the Drax of this bunch, Karan. I've been around, uh, but if I hold still, you can't see me. I was hoping so, you'd make uh, that joke. Yeah. <laughs> I've been here. I've been here. Nice. And I'm really glad I grabbed a, a fresh beer before <laughs> for the show. If uh, if. The fake Commander Cox is going to talk like that. The real Commander Cox has been on the Friends with Benefits podcast. Excuse me? That was not the real Commander Cox. That is, as far as I am aware, the real Commander Scott. You all did not use Commander Cox. You all used Commander Scott on that show. No, no, we said said Commander Cox. Are we sure this isn't like a, a mere universe evil twin thing? No, because we have the we have the better Cox on the show. Oh, okay. Oh. Cole. Well, which button cuts him off the show again? Is it the probably true? Mine's not that impressive. Okay, (laughs) there it is. Uh, And that makes me, of course, the Gamora. So, uh, once again, thank you for joining us for an all new episode of Top 32 Electric Boogaloo. Uh, Without much further delay, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about today. So, we're going to try to get into it and keep things moving uh, so we can hit all of our topics and keep this from being a five hour long show because those are really annoying to edit now that I have to edit them all now. So, <laughs> first topic today. Um, 
Look, normally on the show, we talk about what's going on in the world of nerddom. Uh, and usually there's lots of cool news and things to talk about that you know, helps. There helps is. Us. There is the coolest nerd news that came out oh, yesterday. Jesus. Okay. Here's, here's the Tony Hawk remaster. Yeah, we're not talking about that. <clears throat> it's still fucking awesome and still yeah, awesome topic. nerd news. <laughs> no, that is awesome. Uh, mostly I was concerned with the, uh, the soundtrack being intact because... I don't know if they have to renegotiate rights with all those groups or not, but as long as the soundtrack I'm, is in place, I'm down. If I'm pretty it, sure if Goldfinger it, and Millencolin could really use the money, so... I'm just saying, if it's other music, it's not going to feel right. So. Now, Tony Hawk, that's the guy that swims the Tour de France every year, right? Yeah. Oh, God, I fucking yeah. hate you. Okay. That's no, true. our first actual topic, uh, th- there is still some nerd news coming out in the world, uh, and it is of one of the nerdiest uh, IPs you can get. It's Star Wars. You know where I'm going with this. Mandalorian Season 2 is still in production in some capacity. Uh, I thought they were done and on to post-production, but maybe not, because they keep putting out new casting news. So here we are. We're going to break down the newest casting rumors for Mandalorian Season 2 and talk about, based on which characters are coming in, where the story might be going, and a segment I can't wait to call Mando War. (laughs) The puns don't get any better, but they do keep coming. So first up... Uh, some behind the camera news. This was announced on May 4th. Uh, so joining um, Dave Filoni, uh, John Favreau, uh, Rick, F- I always mispronounce his name, Famuyua, um, was the returning directors from season one. We now have joining Peyton Reed, director of Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp, and Robert Rodriguez, director yes. of. Yeah. Oh, I just said fuck yes. I love Robert Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Robert Rodriguez, uh, director of the best segment of, of uh, not Roadhouse, uh, um, Grindhouse. There we go. My brain is scattered tonight. Uh, so we've got some cool new behind the camera talent coming to season two. Uh, clearly, Coron is excited for Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Robert Rodriguez, the man did Sin City. We're going to ignore the fact that he also did Sin City 2. But... Sin City 2? Never heard of that. That exists. Yeah, Why would you make a sequel to that? Like 15 years later. Um, so I just want to put that out there because I'm nerdy and that gets to be excited. But we'll move on to the more juicy stuff then, I guess. Uh, so the first big casting rumor, and I say rumor because despite what the internet tells you, this is still, at the time of this recording, unconfirmed. Rosario Dawson may or may not be playing Ahsoka Tano. That idea. Don't don't all jump in at once. No, like I mean, I really oh, like the we, idea of uh, just... Rosario Dawson uh, getting more work. So I think she was. Yeah, it kind of bums me out that I feel like she's had her uh, like day in the sunshine or whatever. Uh, she was great in the aforementioned Sin City. Uh, she was a standout part of Clerks too, which I would still argue is one of the only Kevin Smith movies that is still watchable. Um. And yeah, like, oh, I can't remember the name of the series. It was a little pulp comic kind of drama thing that she did on USA that was really good, uh, that she was unsurprisingly good in. That just finished airing. 
that I now have to look up the name for. Does someone else talk about Rosario Dawson while I figure out the name of this show? <laughs> well, Scott, I know you're not super hyped about this casting, if it's true. Well, I mean, I think I've talked about it before. I got nothing against Rosario Dawson, and if, if it does turn out that she is Ahsoka, I'm sure she will do a wonderful job, uh, and I will love it. I, I just, I'm afraid that, you know, they should have gone with the voice actress, because I think the voice actress could do it live action very well. Um I just have a bad feeling that without the voice or the attitude that the, the voice actress brings to it, that she'll look good and she'll look the part, but we're not going to get Ahsoka. You know? We're just going to get a, a Togruta Ahsoka-like Jedi thing. Do you think they'd have Rosario Dawson play the part and have actually X-Team do the voiceover? God, I hope not. Okay. Because uh, once again, it's 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 the inflections that 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 uh, I don't know the voice actress's name. I'm never good with names. But Ashley Eckstein, yeah, that girl, um, uh, Ashley Ecstasy. Um, but uh, you know the inflections and everything she brings to it. I don't I don't know if Rosario Dawson's uh, facial features, her her expression acting, will mimic it enough. You know. Okay. I just, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Love Rosario Dawson as well, and I'm not saying she would do a bad job. I just, I just feel like we have a, we have an actress that plays right. uh, Ahsoka. She is Ahsoka. Why not let her be Ahsoka? Why are we going with Rosario Dawson? I don't know. I'm it. a little less confident in Ashley Eckstein playing the physical live action Ahsoka. Um, that might just, be me because she's she's of pretty short stature. I think they want someone who's a little more physically intimidating. Could be wrong. This all could be conjecture because again, while the internet has already written it off as confirmed and definite, uh, we have not had it confirmed that she's actually playing Ahsoka yet. We we in fact, I'm not even sure it's confirmed she's actually going to be in it. I think the the rumor was she's in talks to be in season two, and the internet just ran with it. Uh, I, oh. I did some I, hello. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know what's really weird is uh, the uh, voice actor for Ahsoka, her first television role was as a contestant on Guts. Huh. Sorry, I went to her Wikipedia page because I'd never really... <laughs> That's fine. Disclosure, I've never watched Clone Wars. Um, uh, fuck off this show. <laughs> it's okay. You've got uh, plenty of time to get caught up now that it's finally finished. Um, keeping so, it with pro wrestling is a full-time job, but don't worry. That's actually going to tie into this segment. Okay. Uh, so that's the big one everyone was talking about, and it got people excited. Uh, if it does pan out to be true, I'm kind of with Scott. I think Rosario Dawson could be cool. It was one of those things where fans already had her cast in the park before they even announced it. Uh, so I don't know how much of this is real and how much of this is like wishful thinking via the internet. Um, but if that pans out, it'll be awesome. Um, I'm, I love seeing some of these uh, animated characters coming into live action because there's you know, still plenty of Star Wars fans who think the cartoons don't matter because they're morons. Uh, so I'm glad to see they're, they're bringing some of the, the cooler parts, especially under the guidance of Filoni. Um, but we'll move on uh, unless anyone has any other Ahsoka stuff to talk about. Well, I was just going to say my two cents is that it, to me it doesn't matter what actress portrays her. I just want to see 
more tie-ins from the cartoons to the live action. Um, and as many people that panned like Rogue One for mm-hmm. a, a lot of what it was, the oh, eagle-eyed cool. viewers definitely saw the Rebels tie-ins or mm-hmm. heard the Rebels tie-ins, and I enjoyed that. Um, so I'd like to see more of that, but like, bam, right there, you don't have to search for it as an Easter egg because mm-hmm. they they are part of this universe and they need to be shown as part of the universe. And I think by tying in a character from Clone Wars or Rebels to a show like The Mandalorian that is reaching out to a far larger audience because they don't have any live action Star Wars right now to look forward to, that that would be huge for the cartoons to get people to go back and say, maybe I do need to watch this. There you go. So, uh, so since it doesn't matter what actress portrays Ahsoka, what, what, what do you think? Betty White? Betty White is Ahsoka. Anybody? Can we start that? Ratings yeah. would be through the roof. Yeah. But Betty White is Ahsoka. I, I would watch that in a heartbeat. Are there, are yeah, there really ratings for this... a show that's uh, on demand? <laughs> streaming so, service or a rating still a thing? If uh if you if you count the Star Wars holiday specials canon, Scott, that would make the second Golden Girls appearance in a Star Wars property. It would. It would because uh And if uh, you can tell me what the other one is, uh we'll give you a prize. In fact, I am so sorry. I forgot to introduce our contest, didn't I? You did. Stop everything. We got to redo the whole show now. Uh, <laughs> so if you can tell me what the other Golden Girls appearance in Star Wars is, I already gave you a hint. Uh, or <clears throat> if you can answer the question Scott has for you. Well, since Julian is not here with us right now because of him performing his patriotic duty on parts to parts unknown. Um, his patriotic duty to please that booty. Sure. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's once again. Can we cue the crickets? I would. I would really like. Wow. That. Anyway. Anyway. Material. Yes. Julian, being our resident expert on all things guns, titties, and beer, uh, likes to play with guns in the background. Uh, more specifically, guns that are are not his penis. Uh, while we are doing the show, since he is not here. Uh, in in physical form to join us. We're going to continue this. So he is here with us in spirit. Um, So with regards to that, this is what I have for us today. Yes, that's what I have for us today. If you can guess what I'm playing with, then Obi-John has a prize for you. One more time. There There it is. There it is. Yes, if you can guess what that is, or if you can tell me what other Golden Girl was in the Star Wars <laughs> property, we will give you a code for 30 days free of Shudder, the best horror streaming service in the goddamn universe. That's a fact. You can look it up. Uh, okay, so that being said, that's out of the way. Back to Mandalorian Season 2 casting. So, uh, Rosario Dawson, maybe Ahsoka, maybe not. We don't know. We'll see how that pans out. So, let's move on to confirmed casting because i think this next one yes can i just get mine out of the way since it's just a guest role okay asha banks is going to be in an episode oh really good for her (laughs) much how they had like bill burr brian posein like you know how they Uh had like someone 
think they had a guest star in pretty much every episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sasha Banks has been confirmed for an episode of season two. Good for her. I'd be more interested if it was Bailey, but that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. We'll get there. Baby steps. Uh, so if we're just going to give shout outs to, to guest roles, um, the man himself, Michael frickin' Bean, is going to be in season two in a yet undisclosed role. Nice. I didn't know that. He's playing a bounty hunter for Mando's past. That's all we know. But uh, yeah, he'll be in at least one episode. So there you go. Johnny Ringo himself, Kyle Reese, Dwayne Hicks, Michael Bean. Okay. Cooler if it was Johnny uh, Rico. <laughs> you know, I can see that happening. Uh, but so confirmed casting, and I think the doc will be excited about this. Um, everyone was looking for him in season one to make some kind of cameo. It didn't really happen. Confirmed he's going to be in at least part of season two. The Fett Man, Boba Fett, making his comeback, making his triumphant return to the land of the living. Uh, finally setting aside that question of did he get out of the Starlight Pit or not? Uh, and icing on the cake, he will be played by uh, Tamura Morrison, the man who you might know as Django Fett from episode two. And I think he did uh, uh, voice work for the clones on all of Clone Wars. I could be wrong on that. No, he, he he didn't do the no. He didn't do the okay. Clones. Then I'm wrong about that. Never mind. Uh, uh, the guy who should have done the voice work for all the freaking clones. Then, <laughs> um, yeah, I still think it's up in the air whether or not he was in season one. The foot walking the foot in the thing. camera. I, the, I the thought we'd kind of confirmed that that was uh, Moff Gideon. I don't think so. Uh, okay. I think I think that's still and and everyone keeps the conjecture is because of the spur sound uh-huh. when he's walking. Boba Fett wears spurs. No, but okay. I believe they did use a spur effect just as a, in in background sound mixing. Uh-huh. Um, I think in Empire is what I heard, but I haven't gone back to confirm, so don't quote me on that. Okay, um, but even if they didn't, everybody still keeps alluding the spur sound being used in Mando so prominently um, as, as alluding to, you know, the man with no name, which uh-huh. of course we know is somewhat of a basis, uh, at least from Jeremy Bullock um, on, on the portrayal of Boba Fett on camera. So like I said, I'm not saying it is Buffett, but I don't think it's been confirmed that it wasn't. Well, we do know the Fett man will be back in season two. How do we feel about that? Well, I actually have a strong opinion on this. Lay it out. Um, so I am I'm a huge Boba Fett fan. I love Boba Fett. Um, but after seeing season one of the Mando, I kind of go back and I think to myself, why did I love Boba Fett? It was because of like the mystery behind him. He is kind of a menacing character, but he really didn't do a lot in the Star Wars movies. Um, Overrated character in history, yep. He followed the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, he made a phone call to Darth Vader, said, hey, he's here. Sure did. Um, he stood menacingly next to him at the luncheon. He's great at that. And then he got knocked for a loop in his jetpack by a blind man. With a stick. And fell into the Sarlacc pit think is important (laughs) so they're gonna have to do in my opinion this is just my own humble opinion they're gonna have to do a lot of damage control 
if they're going to show Fett to be the badass that everybody hopes that he is. And I know some people would be like, oh, well, he's a clone of Django. Look at what Django did. What did Django really do? I mean, he didn't show much badassery either. So, I mean, is he just going to be a like a standby, hey, look at me, fan service type character? Or is he going to do something that's going to be on par with what Mando has done thus far in season one? Right. I'm kind of... I'm kind of with you, Doc. Um, I I didn't want to see Boba in the show for a while because I wanted them to do to continue what they did with season one, which is tell a new story. I think part of why the Mandalorian was so popular with so many like casual Star Wars fans is you didn't need to know anything going into this. If you're vaguely aware of what Star Wars is, you can queue up episode one, watch the whole series, and you can follow along just fine. You don't have to know what the Clone Wars are. You don't have to know about the Siege of Mandalore. You don't have to know all this you know, intricate backstory stuff just to be able to follow the plot of the show. The show gives you everything you need to follow. And any backstory that needs to be filled in, they fill in as they go. It's, it's, it's episodic adventures of a bounty hunter in the Star Wars world. That's all you needed. And it was fun. And it was cool. Now... I'm the nerd who loves all the backstory, fill in the gap, you know, build the lore stuff out. So I'm excited about what this could mean. But if the show gets too far down that path, I wonder uh, how popular with mainstream people season two is going to be. I really thought Boba Fett would be a great villain in, you know, season three or four or something down the road of of, uh, uh, Mando and Boba taking the same contract on something and like, you know... uh, rivals trying to get a hit you know kind of thing but there's a lot of um stuff about mandalorian culture we still need to find out and hopefully boba fett will help fill in some of that uh because the last time we see him before the movies he's still a child in clone wars right there's an episode where he's he's kind of becoming a bounty hunter and he pulls off a job with is it cad bane no, well, uh, no, I don't think Cad Bane's on the crew. It's okay. uh, it's Ara Singh. Yeah, there we go. Because him and uh, Ara Singh kind of takes him under his wing. That's right. You That's know, right. and he he's got he's got the 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 fire spray mm-hmm. that Django had. Now, whether that fire spray is Slave One or not, it is unconfirmed. Um, it has a different color scheme, and I know people will argue that well, he's probably had it repainted. And it's possible, but I mean, possible is not confirmed. Um. And I don't think we ever see any kind of a name for the ship. So he's he's still got the the, the Jango Fett's fire spray. Uh, he's with Ara Singh and uh, who was it? Who was the other one? Not Bosk, but the yeah, the other bounty. Yeah, the, Dengar, the Dengar, Dengar, Dengar was in, like, in, in their crew. Um, and yeah, he got a he got a good uh, two or three episode story arc mm-hmm. uh, there. So we saw that a little bit. Um, as far as in the new canon, uh, we, we haven't seen anything from him that I'm aware of outside of Clone Wars. Um, and the only thing that has been put into new canon, um, uh, post Jedi is, uh, a single paragraph in, uh, uh, the, the first novel series. Yeah. Aftermath. Uh, and that was, I actually got it pulled up here. The, the, the paragraph in question, the, one of the characters uh, finds a, a, <clears throat> a box on the floor 
in the back of a, a, a Jawa's sand crawler because uh, he's looking. He's trying to find. He's buying some equipment. And he sees this this box and it's got a ratty cloth covering it. And he 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 pulls the box out and it says he withdraws a helmet pitted and pocked as if it uh, as if with some kind of an acid. But still, he wraps his knuckles on it. Uh, the Mandalorians knew how to make armor, didn't they? Look at this, he says, holding it up. Mandalorian battle armor, a whole box complete set by the looks of it. Been through hell and back. So it's not even confirmed if that's Fett's armor, but that's mm-hmm. the closest thing we've gotten post-Jedi new new canon to uh, uh, to Fett's fate. And if his armor got out, then more than likely he got out. And of course, now we know he did get out, but in the details of which have yet to be... So yeah, but nonetheless, uh, casting is perfect. Uh, if you cast anybody else, fans would be pissed. Uh, yeah, it's the only person who can play him. Um, and it, it'll be interesting because, again, as we learned in Mandalorian season one, uh, as of this time period, Mandalorians aren't a race or a, a culture. Mandalores are a creed. When that happened, what does that mean? We still haven't figured out, but. How and where does Boba Fett fit into that? Um, we'll find out. Mandalorians so, listen to Creed. Got it. Yep. Exactly what I said. Um, but, the, and this is the one that gets me more excited because of the character possibilities and what this could mean for the larger storyline. Uh, this is also the most recently uh, um, announced casting. Uh, and it's also friggin' spot on. Because again, if you cast anybody else in this role, I think people would be pissed. But uh, Katie Sackhoff, uh, best known as Starbuck from the Battlestar Galactica reboot, is cast as Bo-Katan Kreese. I can never pronounce that last name right. Um, the same role she voiced throughout Rebels and Clone Wars, uh, she is now portraying in live action in season two of Mandalorian. I just want to see her in the armor. Yeah, and if, if so, if you don't remember that character, she's the the redhead Mandalore who um, took over Death Watch. Uh, she was the sister of the um, Duchess Satine. Um, yeah, the Duchess. Thank you. I couldn't think of her title uh, that Obi-Wan had a thing with. Uh, and we find out in season seven of Clone Wars that she helped lead um, the Mandalores during the siege of Mandalore to to take control of the planet back from Darth Maul. Um, so this character has a lot of, of uh, weight with the Mandalorian culture. Um, and what excites me most is timeline wise until, uh, Moff Gideon pops up with it at the end of Mandalorian season one, spoiler, uh, she's the last known person to have the dark saber in her possession. Yep. Uh, Sabine gave it to her. Yep. Yes. In, in rebels. Um, so that makes me excited because this is, this is a character that is steeped in the old, or older Mandalorian stuff, because again, the, the big thing of, of you know, and, and Mandalore season one is you never take your helmet off because that, that, that violates the creed. Well, anyone who watched Clone Wars or Rebels know Mandalorians take their helmets off all the goddamn time. So when did that change over? Uh, so hopefully this character can help answer some of these questions. Uh, Cause it's all Dave Filoni. Um, yeah. I'm really hoping that the storyline uh, for Bo-Katan being in uh, Mando season two is she's after Moff Gideon trying to get the saber back, which, you know, begs the question, how did she lose it? Why is she still alive if she lost it? Exactly. Uh, and I totally forgot. Uh, we do see Dark Watch in, in Mandalore. She's one of the flashbacks. We do see so. Death Watch. 
Death Watch there, yeah. Uh, they're really the one, ones. They're the ones who uh, who rescue um, uh, Mando. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, which is awesome to see in in, in live action. When you're used to seeing him as cartoon characters. That was awesome. Uh, so for all we know, she could have been part of that raid. So for all we know, her part is a flashback to Mando as a kid. We don't know. But that's what gets us excited. Um, so overall, some cool casting uh, and lots of places the story can go. Is there anything I left out? Uh, I'm just throwing this out there, but it would be interesting to see her and Boba Fett in the same episode. I don't think we're going to get that. It's just a, I just was thinking about it. Like that would be, I just think it would be interesting. Be a lot of Mandalorian going on, but it'd be interesting. I will never say never because we got an entire covert of uh, Mandalorians in season one. So I don't think they have too many qualms about throwing lots of Mandalorians on screen together. So who knows? Yeah, and again, if if it's all about what it you know what does it mean to be a Mandalorian, those are some two characters that could offer you differing viewpoints on that. So maybe who knows? Right. I just want to see her Ooh. yell at somebody. Say, take your damn helmet off. I can't understand you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way. What's the way? That doesn't make any sense. Just this take your helmet off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the overuse the again. overuse of the phrase this is the way that's been like taken by nerds over the past like six months has almost turned me off to the Mandalorian. Well, you can't be turned off to the Mandalorian. And you know why? Because this is the way. All right? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> hey, hey. I, I don't want to say I'm, I'm turned on to the Mandalorian. Exactly. And you know why? Because this is the way. way. Cool. All right. We're going to jump to our next topic then. <laughs> um, this is uh, a category or, or a topic we all agreed we should talk about, but we couldn't really agree on what specifically about this topic to discuss so we are compromising we're going to do a another round of one of our favorite uh things on the show recommend me this is recommend me board game edition uh we're going to go around the bend and recommend to each other and to you guys what board games we think are worth shelling out your money for uh and commander scott if you want to take it this was your topic well you know uh i i'm I'm big into games of course as some people may know um Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, I've got so many, so many games that, that I could recommend and, and keep talking. But I, I was going to focus a little bit on a a couple of games here first, given that we're all still in the middle of uh, uh, our our various lockdowns and stuff as things start to relax, but relax slowly. Uh, a couple of games that are very well done for couples you know if you're you're just you know you and your significant other stuck at home uh, and you're looking for something that the two of you can play just a good two-player game i've got a couple of recommendations um one of them if you like baseball is a game called bottom of the ninth uh it, it's like i said two players one player plays uh the uh, uh the home team it's your last at bat because it is the bottom of the ninth inning. The, the game is tied. Um, and uh, uh, the other player plays uh, you know, the, 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 the defending team. And uh, so the, uh, the offensive player 
their entire goal for the game is to score one run. That's all you have to do. Score one run, you win the game, you're good. The defending player, all they have to do is hold them to three outs because the the, the team that the defending player is, is representing is like the best in the league. Uh, it is a miracle that the other team has gotten this far, and if it goes into overtime, the other team's just going to kill them anyway. Um, so it's a very fun game. It's got great mechanics. Um, it has, you know, a, a stare down where both the, the pitcher and the, the batter get to, uh, they have two discs. One says high and low, and the other one says inside or away. And, and, and the pitcher has to pick which, which pitch that he's going to throw. And the batter has to use his disc to try and guess which pitch he's going to pitch. And so once both people, once both have selected what they think, you know, it, it needs to be done, then they reveal and uh, whoever's right on whichever side, they get that token and they can spend that token to activate uh, abilities and manipulate the dice. And then you go through and you, you, you roll, you know, you, you've got dice that determine if the, the pitch is straight down the middle or if it's, uh, if it just caught the, the edge of the strike zone or whatever, and then uh, see if the batter actually connects with the, the ball. And if he does, he's got to leg it out to first. If it's not a home run or anything, it's just a really good game, especially if you if you need something with uh, with only two people. So, so there anybody, you have it. Yeah, anybody still there? I don't know. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> the doc. What do you got for us? All right. Um, well, the first one that I have is a game that I got introduced to about five years ago. Uh, I have a copy of it, a board game copy. And I also have a version that I downloaded onto my computer. And that game is called Axis and Allies. And now if you're not familiar with Axis and Allies, what it is is it's a World War II strategy game um, that involves, you know, you buy different production things like infantry and tanks and airplanes and bombers. Um, And it involves rolling dice for hits. Uh, and depending on how many units you take into an attack, that tells you how many dice you get to roll, and then you can calculate all the hits. Uh, what's great about this game is you it's anywhere from two to five players. And the idea behind Axis and Allies is you can be the Axis powers, which was Germany and Japan, or you can be the Allies, which is the United States, Russia, and Great Britain. Um, all of their starting, like the, you get a monetary amount to start with and you have certain units that are already produced. And depending on what version of the game you have, it takes place in a different era of world war two. Um, and what's neat about the game is let's say you're playing as the United States and you decide to take a different path to victory instead of what they actually did during world war two. If you can pull it off, you can do that. Or like you, if you play as two people and you're the axis powers, you know, the axis could end up winning world war two. So it's just kind of a combination of strategy, um, chance and sort of a, what if scenario along with it. That's, and what's cool is the, the version I have on my computer there's actually a six-on-six free-for-all where the goal is your country, your country of origin has to take over the entire world. So 
I have dominated the entire world as the United States, Great Britain, Germany, China, and Russia, and Japan. I've done it with all six. So. <laughs> Um. Yeah, Axis Allies is a great game. Um, I I refuse though to play a five player game of Axis and Allies with with uh, uh, with anybody less than people who just really really know how to play the game. Um, yeah. Because with a five player game, it's uh, it's almost like um, uh, all right, my turn is done. I'm gonna go watch this movie. It should be my turn again by the time I get back. Yeah. Uh, when- so uh, it, it, with a five-player game, it can take a really long time between turns. Unless, like I said, you got five players who just really know the game, and they don't—they don't really have to think about a lot because they know what they need to do. Uh, the the first year I ever played it, the one of the the guy that I lived with and Clarion, because the two of us both taught at Clarion, um, which was five years ago, he and I actually set up a board and would play. And it it's not a short game. I will tell you that right now. It is not a short game to play, but it is so much fun. And we one time, one of our games lasted, I think, like an entire week to complete. And we were both versed in playing. It just, with all the strategy and chance and everything and what you're trying to do, it took that long to get done. Yeah, when when you're playing Axis and Allies and, and you can... Uh, uh... You can you can set it up and leave it and everything. It, it's it's a great way to play. You can stop and think about your move and and everything. And you're not you know. But if you're just sitting around a table, then sometimes you can get a little tedious. One of my favorite because I really like playing Japan when I play Axis and Allies. And one of my favorite things to do is as quickly as possible. Uh, I will get a transport built uh, and I will move a, a a armored division across. Uh, uh, the Sea of Japan into the backside of Russia because yep. Russia no troops anywhere near uh, Japan at the beginning of the game, and and I'll take that. I'll just start taking territory from Russia as fast as I can. Yep. Now I'm not going to keep it, mind you. Uh, I'm not doing it to try and conquer Russia. All I'm doing is trying to knock down Russia's um, their, production. Uh, their their production and uh, force them to take some pressure off of Germany uh, because Germany at the, cause, cause the, the game picks up the, the standard game. Let me, let me clarify the just standard vanilla axis and allies picks up uh, just after uh, Pearl Harbor when the U S has entered the war. Uh, and so like right off the bat, uh, Germany is um, uh, fighting a, a three, three front war and they really need some pressure pulled off of them. So yeah, I feel uh, like have you, huh? I feel like you and I would be a diabolical team as the Axis powers. Uh, it's fun to play. It's very fun to play. Um, have you played? Um, the only other one that I've played is uh, Axis and Allies D Day. I don't know if you played that one. It's just the D Day invasion. I have not. I've I've wanted to try different variants, and like I said, the the one that I downloaded for my computer has a lot of different maps. There's actually a Star Wars map that I tried out once. Um, yeah, I haven't had a chance to get the other physical board games to try those yet. Yeah, I highly recommend D Day. I'll be back. <laughs> All right, fucking cats. All right, Koran, you awake? <laughs> uh, Just checking for me. Uh, oh, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. 
Uh, for me, in terms of games, obviously I don't uh, do board games the way at least John and Scott do. Um, I smell it. It's hard to follow up. Uh, All right, I'm back. Sorry. Can I talk about one that's coming out later this year that I'm really excited about? Sure. It's up for pre-order? Sure. Hello? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you guys are there. I can't hear John, though. Uh, I said go ahead. Give it a shot. Go for it. Okay. I'm just going to go. Um... Do you know how they did like the weird trivial pursuit things that only came with cards and no like boards or pieces, which was kind of bullshit? I do not actually. Yeah. Yeah. But they did like Harry Potter, uh, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, and like a few like pop culture ones and stuff like that. They also did a horror one. Apparently, the horror one sold so well, they're doing a full like including board edition of the game. That comes with six times the amount of questions, like the version I have, because I've got the small one that's just the questions and no uh, no pieces or board or anything like that. But it's um, it's got like 3,600 questions instead of like the normal 600 that come with it. It's got like six pieces and uh, it's just it just strikes me as one of those things where like it really it's a uh, kind of someone who's into horror and especially someone who does a lot of like horror collecting, it kind of seems like it will be a must have. Does that make sense? Yeah. None of that makes sense, but it's something I'm really excited about. And I don't have a lot of games. Um, actually, I think the, I have a game that I haven't had a chance to play yet. Scott, I sent you a picture of it. So you did. I don't know if you got a chance to look up the rules or anything yet. I have not. Sorry. No, it's fine. I have failed you. (laughs) No, not at all, not at all. But yeah, so I'm really excited to. I mean, I'm I'm a you know you know I'm a horror guy, uh, and pretty much the only ongoing tabletop game I play is I'm. Yes. Four years into a D and D campaign. So. Hey, there's nothing wrong with a good long D and D campaign. There's not. The one before that went uh, two and a half years, but uh, schedules changed and people had to drop out. So, would you would switch you, DMs? And... Would you consider it an ongoing campaign if it's the same character you play? Just it's he's been through different overarching stories uh, in many years. I think he's kind of the same group's been playing for that many years, right? Yeah. Well, no, we've had off and on the same like. There are, at, at its core, there are four of us who have been playing D&D together for six and a half years now. Right. Um, I have been a version of the same character since January of 2014. Nice. Cool. I, I have a D&D character I have been playing since 1994. Shit. So, 26 and a half years. Yeah. Uh, at one point, he became a god. We kind of had to wreck on that a little bit. He got a little powerful. I would say so, because what is it, like level 20 where you're basically just walking gods or something? Well, it depends on which 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 game, which version of D&D you're talking about. Because um, uh, D&D 3rd Edition and 3.5 had what they called epic levels. Um, so in, in D&D, D&D 2nd Edition and AD&D 2nd Edition, 
you, you pretty much retired a character at around level 18 to 20. Yeah, because yeah. you're just way too damn powerful. There's nothing in the world that can really touch you. Um, until, you know, they, they came out with uh, uh, things like uh, the the uh, <laughs> the planes, the different planes of existence, then you could get out, out there and do some adventuring. But in in 3rd and 3.5, uh, they came out with epic levels, which was uh, levels 20 to... Ostensibly, it was 20 to 50, but they gave you rules to go above 50. And some of the stuff in the epic levels things just got really way out there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really weird. Um, and, uh, my, my character, his, he was a priest where he is a priest. And his, uh, his God kind of, uh, had to sacrifice himself for something. And so he, he got together with the, uh, the, the highest level priests of his order. And, uh, they, they summoned a different God and did, uh, it's been a while since I've played through this, but he, he took on the mantle of what his God was doing and elevated himself to, to Godhood. And that was quite interesting. You went uh, full Daniel Jackson, didn't you? I did. I did full Man. Daniel Jackson. I found out this is boring and I can't get work anywhere else. So <laughs> came right back. Yep. Full <laughs> Daniel Jackson. Uh, I've got two on my recommend list and they're for, for varying, um, I'll say like talent, but for how into board games you are. Uh, if, if you're um, kind of a big board game fan, you probably play a version of this, but maybe not this specific one. Uh, Zombicide Invader is one of my favorite board games, even though I really ever get to play it. Um, so Zombicide has been around for a long time. You've, you've seen it or a version of it. You're a group of survivors fighting off zombies. Invader is the science fiction version of so instead of zombies, you're fighting off hordes of aliens on a alien planet and a space station. Um, so it's got a cool setting. Uh, if you go in and get the uh, some of the Kickstarter uh, um, backer uh, stuff, there's a, I bought a whole kit of like an extra thirty some characters you can play as that are all like the non copyright infringed versions of characters like. Doc Brown and Marty and Rick and Morty and Judge Dredd and Corbin Dallas uh, and Lilu Dallas Multipass. Lilu Dallas uh, Multipass? Yes, Lilu Dallas Multipass. Uh, they're all just different enough to not get sued for copyright infringement, but you can clearly tell that's who they're going for. Like Deckard from Blade Runner is a playable character in the game. Um, but it has the thing that always gets me with board games really awesome minis. I love minifigs. Uh, I love games that have lots of, of figures going on with them, and this one does not disappoint. Uh, they're all really cool casts um, with hordes and hordes of alien. It's a very action-oriented game. You're basically managing hordes of enemies coming at you while you're trying to do your objectives. Um, it's six-player, up to six-player um, co-op gameplay, which is also fun. It has one of the, the coolest things I've ever seen in a board game, and I wish more board games had. Your character has a dashboard. Uh, hmm. where, where you put all your stuff on a dashboard, so you don't have to spread your like resources and cards out all over the table. You have one nice little place to keep them all, um, and it gives all this. You know, you level your character up and get new abilities as you level up and things like that. Um, so, Zombicide, the game itself is great. It's been around for a long time. There's tons of different versions of it out there. Uh, I think Scott has one. Uh, is it 
green horde or black horde or something like that. Uh, like yeah, a, I've got I've got zombies on black black plague, black horde, or something like that. Yeah. It, it's the medieval version. Yeah, of, of it. And it's very fun. I've also got the expansion, the the uh, the journey to Wolfsburg, but I've I've never played with the expansion. I can um, fix that whenever I like. I like the uh, I like the middle medieval version a lot better than the the the, the classic mm-hmm. uh, modern day zombie side. Um, and, and I really look forward to playing uh, the the space version. And so I'm giving you an assignment, just so yes. you know. Okay, uh, is to go through the rules back uh-huh. to front, watch, learn to play videos, do whatever you can to get as well versed in this game. Because because once we can get together again. As soon as we can make it happen, um, I, I want to do a six-player zombie side night. We we'll just get together at your place, okay. and we're gonna do nothing but play zombie side, eat chips, uh, drink bourbon, annoy and, Whitney, and annoy Whitney. Yes, um, with that because because I really uh, I really want to play this game. Scott, I've I've played the game several times. Okay. All right. Uh, just, that, yeah. not, not that I wouldn't break out the rule book and rush up on it before we play it again, but uh, no, cool. I um, uh, before the world ended in the in the before time, you remember that, right? The before, the before time. time, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I want to say it was around Christmas, but that might be wrong. I got together with uh, um, Adam and Jared and that whole nerdy group, and we uh, we did a um, playthrough of the learn to play a scenario for that oh, okay yeah, yeah. Uh, so so I've, I've played it a few times but yeah i'll brush up again but no it's again the, the zombicide games are fun i really enjoy all all the ones that i've played i've enjoyed but this one um uh, i i backed it on kickstarter because i wanted a a version of zombicide and it was sci-fi which is like just perfect for me because i love science fiction um and again i love any game that has tons of minis in it and and uh, this game with the expansion i bought for it uh, I think there's a total of 42 playable characters you can choose as. Nice. All of which have their own stats and uh, abilities and their own minifig to play as. Um, yeah, that that got me. So, have I told you my zombie side story from when I first got the first game way back when? Not that I, I recall. Our so listeners I, haven't heard it yet. That's true. So, <laughs> I, I bought I bought the very first zombie side game way back when. Um the, the modern day standard vanilla. And I took it to Alabama with me when I would go down for a week in July and, and visit a friend and we'd do gaming. And uh, so my friends and I, we sat down to play Zombie Side. And we played the, we, we tried to play the introductory, you know, uh, scenario, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be the easy scenario. So you can get, you can get used to the, the rules and everything. And we got our asses kicked by the intro scenario. I mean, like huge. So you know the rule that if if a zombie has to come out, and you don't have like one of those zombies, the one of those mini in the reserve in the pool yeah. in the reserve, like it escalates to like the big next big one, and and like everything activates and just bad shit happens all over the place. It forces you to keep you know it's a mechanic that forces you to keep killing the zombies, yes. so you always have stuff in the pool. It's just horde management, like you said. Well, we would have to spawn a, a, a zombie, and there wasn't any zombies to come out, so shit would, would hit the fan, and, and, and we would die. We ran through this introductory scenario like four times, and we could not beat it. We couldn't beat it. This kept happening. I mean, stuff kept coming out, and there wasn't anything for it to come out. So finally, it was, it was dinner time, and, and we had, to, we had to, to clean up. We were done. 
And like, well, we'll try maybe again tomorrow. So as we're packing up the game and everything, and uh, uh, Jeremiah is uh, is is picking up the zombies, the regular zombies, he's putting the regular zombies back in the game. And he's like, do these all go in this bag? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. The the there was in fact there was there were so many zombie minis that I had to put them in. Two- oh hey, I've got a whole other bag of zombies over here. <laughs> <laughs> We were playing with half the number of zombies, which is why we kept running out and getting our asses kicked. It was quite funny. <laughs> nice. Yes, Koran has not laughed yet. Koran must laugh at my funny story. Ha 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 <laughs> no, Zombicide Invader, I highly recommend it. The Zombicide games are fun, uh, especially if you can get a bunch of people together to play them. Uh, one of the things I like about it most is it's, again, it's co-op, uh, and this one can support up to six players at one time co-op, um, which is fun, because I love getting friends together and doing stuff. Um, and my, the second one to recommend, this is for much more casual players, um, if you can roll dice and match symbols, you can play this game. It is Ghostbusters Blackout from idw games not to be confused with ghostbusters the board game whole different game uh this one is a much faster much more streamlined much simpler version of a board game it's um, so challenging it is it is it is not without challenge as me and scott i don't think i've ever won this uh round of this game um so the the, the plot is the power has gone out in all of new york and the uh, containment unit has loosed all the ghosts and you as the ghostbusters have to go around rounding up the ghosts the way you do that is uh, every player picks one of the Ghostbusters. Each Ghostbuster has like special abilities and things. Um, but you have a set of, I think it's five or six dice, and they have special symbols. And you, at the start of each round, you roll your dice. And what the symbols you get dictate the actions you can do in the game. So it's like move, uh, put a proton stream on a ghost, uh, things like that. You can, you can buy gear from the shop using certain symbols. So you roll the dice and that determines here's what I can do this round. And your goal is to go around cap- recapturing all the ghosts and keeping the panic meter down. Uh, if the panic meter reaches 20, I think, uh, you lose the game. Uh, and if the Ghostbusters recapture 15 ghosts, the Ghostbusters win the game. So it's very easy as far as understanding your goal and what you're supposed to do. The gameplay uh, is very challenging. Uh, there's lots of you know, every ghost card is different, takes different things to trap it. Um, streams from multiple Ghostbusters and things like that. Um, so it's very easy to pick up how it's played, but challenging as far as uh, repeat gameplay, which I think is a great well, combination. One um, of the things I think that makes the game so challenging, and I find this a very interesting mechanic, is the the dice. You know. You keep talking about rolling the dice and everything. It's yeah. got different symbols. So the 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 dice it has a mechanism in it which I find somewhat unique. I don't I don't know of any other games. I'm sure there are out there that utilize it. But when you roll the dice, the symbols on the dice are the actions that you can take. Um, but as you get proton streams and you add proton streams to different ghosts, you have to actually place the die on the ghost, which means that while that ghost is still being quote unquote fought before it's captured, you have less dice. So you're, you actually have less actions to take because you're focusing on, on one major overarching task. And, and it's that, it's that allocation of dice from your pool to take actions to, you know, to a ghost that limits is just a really, really good mechanic in my opinion. And I think it's part of what makes the game so challenging. 
It is, yeah. I've I've played with Scott a couple times. I've played it with um, some other groups of people a few other times. Um, and it's again, what I like about it is one round in, you figured out okay, here's how the game works. So each round, you're not trying to still trying to figure out okay, what do I do now? Um, but we can play it again and again and again, and it's still challenging every time, depending on what ghost cards come out and things like that. Uh, you really have to work together and kind of strategize as you go. Um, but I like games where it doesn't take forever to pick up the gameplay. I don't, I don't like games where I have to read 8,000 page rule books and uh, whatnot. And, you know, to, to remember what am I supposed to do during a round? Um, I like games you can pick up and play quickly. So you can focus more on like the strategy of the game than the, the nuts and bolts of how does this work again? Uh, so those are my recommendations. If you're a little more advanced, check out Zombicide Invader. Uh, if you're if you're a little more casual, check out uh, Ghostbusters Blackout. Cool. Anybody else got other games? Um, I've got a, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Doc. Well, I do have one uh, that I wanted to bring up, and you guys may have played it, may not, may have heard of it, but maybe maybe you're like me and you're a huge nerd. And you being a huge nerd, you enjoy not on this show. You enjoy being, uh, you enjoy playing board games that have a lot of different things and intricacies. Um, like I remember us playing the Star Trek game together, and I enjoyed that. Or, it's a fun game. It's, it's a great game. And or playing, uh, like I like I said earlier, Axis and Allies. But maybe sometimes you just want to get together with some friends and do some nonsensical things. And so my other board game recommendation is the game Quelf. I don't know if you Quelf? guys Quelf or not. Um, have never you heard, heard of it. No. Never heard of Quelf. No. So the premise is you're playing with a group of people and your goal is to get to the end of the board. So you're moving your piece. But as you go, you land on different things and they they can be like a rule card. And so for example, a rule could be something like you having to say, excuse me, please. I have a question before you say anything. Um, or having to laugh after every time you say something. Um, there's also a category where you have to list things and you go around the table until um, somebody can no longer come up with, a response to the question like oh so it's like knockout like ways to get yourself out of a bear trap um so and they're very ridiculous just off the wall things uh some of them are action cards where you have to do something before you can resume your turn so like balance on one foot for 20 seconds so it's just it's a it's a fun very nonsensical type game where you can see your friends or family members kind of act like buffoons while still having a good time. Um, I played this game with a group of teachers and we were sitting around this kitchen table. I haven't laughed that hard with a group of people in a very long, long time. And it's like, I mean, I, my side hurt and my stomach hurt from laughing at the, just the nonsense that was going on. Because the premise is, as you're playing the game, you still have to follow all the rules. Otherwise, you're penalized in the game. So even if you're trying to make an offhand comment, 
you and you have a rule until your turn comes around again, you have to follow that rule. Huh. It sounds it reminds me a little bit of um uh there was a game that, that uh my brother in law picked up that we played uh last uh, not this past holiday but uh earlier. Um called Mountains of Madness. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that one. I have not, no. It's it's based off of um uh some HP Lovecraft stories. Uh and, and oh, yeah. it's it's um so you're you're playing an expedition to this this forbidden city high in the, the, the Arctic, you know, region and stuff. And you've got to get from the from the base of the mountain through the city looking for artifacts and stuff to the top of the mountain where the plane is waiting to evac you. And everybody has these resource cards. And so the, the captain, whoever's turn it is, basically decides where you move to on the board up the mountain. And you've got a uh, kind of like the thing where you have a, um, a goal that you have to achieve and you need certain resource cards to be played to you. So you've got like 30 or 60 seconds, something like that for the captain to discuss with everybody and tell him what they need. And everybody says, yeah, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And, you know, he says, okay, I need this from you, this from you, this from you. And everybody turns in their cards. But the minute the captain calls for cards and somebody turns in one, everybody has to stop talking. So you can only discuss and then turn in. Um, But the the trick is that everybody gets, uh, as the game progresses, everybody will get different madnesses. And these madness cards that you get basically limit or restrict how you can talk and how you can communicate. Uh, so, yeah, so you've got, so the entire game is based around communicating. I've got this card. You need this card. You should take this card from me. But then you've got rules that limit how you can talk and how you, how you can communicate. Like uh, there, there's one madness where you can't speak unless somebody is actually looking you in the eye. So you you have to draw eye contact with somebody to to talk, and if it's really difficult in an era where people are always on their phone doing something, you know, yeah, looking down all the time. So it's actually it's it's, it's a very fun game. But anyway, sorry, it reminded me quite a bit of that. But yeah, I I do recommend Quelf if you've got like a group of friends that you're comfortable being ridiculous around, um, because there were a couple of people that were in our teacher group that weren't as outgoing as I was and so they're kind of hesitant with some of the rules but like if you if I got a rule that was ridiculous I just went for it um and like I said it's a lot of fun if you have a group of people that's not afraid of just being out there but it like I said I I never laughed so hard it was great well Scott brought this up and I wasn't going to bring this game up because even though I love it, this game is very impossible to get your hands on now. Yes. Um, the company that made it only did one run of it. And I just checked to, to make sure I wasn't uh, currently the only place I know of to find one is on eBay where they go for, for starting around $300. Yeah. They are going for ridiculous amounts of money, right? Uh, now, especially and, in the Kickstarter versions. Yes, uh, and I, I once again cannot thank Commander Scott enough for getting me this gift as a present three years ago, uh, and that is The Thing Infection and Outpost 31, which is a board 
game based on the John Carpenter movie, The Thing. It is amazing. Um, I will break this game out at any chance I have to, to do it. It is one of the few games I've ever played where the more people you have playing, the better it is. Because the game is not the board or the figures or the cards. The game is the other people you're playing with. Uh, uh, very simply, didn't we pl- you're the people... Did we play this on or at your Friday the Thirteenth thing, like right before shit started hitting the fan? Or is that much. a different day I'm thinking of? I, you know, it's entirely kind of run together. If I had that many people at the apartment, I could see me breaking it out because I'm that guy. Uh, One thing's for sure: diabetes and human. No, no, diabetes and no. human. <laughs> Let me tell you right now. So, so in terms of the fact that if you and I are playing that game together, we're both just going to be imitations. <laughs> and and that actually the, the name the game should be retitled. Instead of Infections Outpost thirty one, it should be the thing Diabetes and Human. It would have sold more, yeah. Um so basically but, if you've ever seen the movie The Thing, it's that. You are the people at the outpost. One of you is infected or has has become an imitation. You're an alien. Your goal is to clear the camp, um, find and kill the thing and escape on the helicopter. And at the beginning of the game, you draw a blood test card, and it tells you if you're human or if you're an imitation. And at certain points throughout the game, you do other, if certain criteria are met, you do another blood test. So if you're playing with a full eight players, by the end of the game, you should have at least three imitations within your group. So again, it's not necessarily about carrying out your missions and completing the tasks that you have to do that to carry the game along. What it's really about is playing the other people you're with. If you're an imitation, your goal is uh, either burn the whole camp down because you'll survive and the humans won't, or the much more fun way to win is the thing to clear the camp, get on the helicopter, and then at the very end of the game, when everyone thinks you've escaped, flip up that card and say, nope, I'm an imitation. I am I am loose upon the world now. Uh, it's super fun. It's one of those games where it either uh, cements friendship or ruins friendship. Uh now, I will disagree that it's better with the more people, the better. Okay. Because uh, I'm not a big fan of this game with the full eight players. Okay. Um, I personally prefer six. I think six to seven is its is its max. Because in eight player games, there's mm-hmm. been a couple of times where I, I've done nothing like the entire game. I just sat there. For That's the true. Day, so, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the most people you take on a mission is what, six? So sometimes people get Something left like behind it, yeah. and don't get yeah. much to do. I think it's more fun with the more people you have because then you get more finger pointing and name calling and bickering and, and you know, you end up like uh, strapping your friend to a couch and torching him with a flamethrower and oops, they were a human. <laughs> uh, it's all the fun of the game, you know? I just wanted to finally use the damn <laughs> the torch card. Fucking flamethrower like three <laughs> times and never gotten a chance to use it because like two games in a row was the last thing we needed. So, of course... As soon as we get the flamethrower card, there it is. I can't use it. Yeah. Of course, I was always lucky enough to find it in the greenhouse. His natural habitat, the greenhouse. That's just true. Koran's in the greenhouse, and now they're smoking it. <laughs> uh, so, Jay, whenever we hang out again, we've definitely got some games for you to play, because uh, I think you would love the thing. We uh, we did play it one time. Uh, did we? Okay. But I was not informed entirely of the okay. fact that you should not play the um, the 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 card. Oh, uh, 
uh, sabotage cards. Uh huh. That was not accurately um, conveyed to you. Yeah, conveyed to me. Uh huh. Basically, I sold myself out as an uh-huh. early on, which you well, called me out on. Yeah, I had <laughs> time trying to defend myself. Yeah. So one of the things with the sabotage cards, and this is something that the new players it, it takes a minute to to learn. The sabotage cards are actually a mid to late game uh, item. You don't want to play them early because if you play them early, yeah, you're just going to out yourself. What you have to do is you have to wait until people start pointing fingers. Yep. And and once once one or two people become the popular choice for who is the uh, the, the the imitation, then if you are in a strategic place where you're on the same team as them, yeah, throw down a sabotage card. Well, and uh, the last game I played where Scott, you and I ended up being the imitations. Oh, now that was a great game. Um, <laughs> I never played a single sabotage card, and I was the same first. Imi- and I was the first imitation. Yeah, I got imitation. I think the the next blood round, and uh, yeah, yeah, I never played a sabotage card either that entire game. Um, it just like sometimes it's just like if you can convince a lot of the room that you're human. And, like, it's one of those things where it works out well to just be like, I just want to make it to the end. Yep. Like, I just want to make it to the end. I've also been there. I think I've been there for the only time the humans actually made it out on the helicopter that alive. One glorious time. I still have that picture on my phone because it's never going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, all four people made it off and all four people were human. So, like I said, it was never really conveyed to me properly. Well, whenever we get together again, we will. Uh, I'll explain. Eventually, it much clear. Yes, we'll we'll bust. We'll have just a, a whole friggin' game day, and we'll play everything. It'll be fun. It'll be great. We'll play uh, a giant. What was it up to now? Seven player game of Star Trek Ascendancy. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. 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 And Koran can't quit leave really this time. Well, it depends. If he's between you and me, he most certainly can. <laughs> no, he cannot. That's called the Koran maneuver. Now, <laughs> I got nothing against the Koran maneuver. Uh, there, there was one game where all I wanted to do was it was either chase Scott and then yes. like just build the table further away. Yes, that's the game then we're talking like, about. Yes. Then after like an hour and a half, I was like, "All right, guys, gotta go." Yeah, so that's exactly the game we're talking about. Yep. Yeah, so so myself, Koran, and 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 Obi John were playing Star Trek Ascendancy. I was the Federation. Uh, Koran was the Romulans, and uh, Obi John was the Klingons. The glorious Klingon Empire. The glorious mm-hmm. Klingons. And Koran makes no secret of the fact that his entire goal in this game is just to fuck with me. <laughs> that, that's all he cared about. I'm like, all right, let's, let's have the Federation go play with the the, the Romulans. So. We, we we start building the table and we're playing through and, 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 and everything. And like he said, after about an hour and a half, uh, he has to leave. He's got a prior engagement he has to go to. So so he, he gets up and he says his goodbyes and he leaves. And so we decide just to just to leave the Romulans in place, you know, because uh Obi-John hasn't actually done anything yet. He's been building his forces and 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 and, and I've been amassing the most glorious fleet the Klingon <laughs> Empire has ever known with one goal. Yes. Which is? To conquer the entire known universe, of course. Okay, okay. Yeah. 
So, but now he is content with the fact that he is on the opposite side of the galaxy from the Federation, his only actual other foe at this point. And in between us is this huge smattering of Romulans that are now, <laughs> now just an obstacle. Yeah. NPCs. Uh, NPC obstacles. Yeah. So he pulls out and starts engaging. Well, so I put together an exploration fleet and just go on a tear just just across the outer edge of the galaxy, just exploring as much as I possibly could because the Federation gets um, culture. Uh, yeah, culture tokens for every uh, uh, phenomenon and stuff that they, they discover because that's their whole point is exploration. And before he even gets a ship to engage me, I'm able to ascend to level five and win the game. There's a mechanic where uh, you gain culture tokens and you can cash those in for ascendancy tokens, hence the name Star Trek Ascendancy. Whichever player gets five ascendancy tokens first wins the game. Uh, unless you're Obi-John Kenobi, in which case the only way to win the game is to take over everyone's homeworld, because that's clearly the more fun way to win the game. I've been playing the game for how many years now, Scott? Never won through military. Uh, no, it, the no. game is set up and it's very difficult to win through military conquest or military supremacy. And uh, you, you, you always, I'm sorry, but you always describe that wrong. The goal is not to take over everybody's home world. The goal is at the end of your turn to control three home worlds. Which means just, you take over just three. Yeah. But you only have just three, not everyone's. No, 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 no. Only Every, three. Everyone's <laughs> all of them. <laughs> You're never going to do that. Never say never. The humans got away once, Scott. Yeah, but what I'm once. saying is anytime you have more than a three-player game, at the end of your turn, after you get that third one, you've now won. The game end is going to trigger. Well, yeah, if you want to do it the easy way. No, no, I, it's, you don't have <laughs> I an know, option. I, I know, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. Well, uh, that means we've, we've only played with more than three people a handful of times. So. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll also see if I can get a copy of Quelth for us, so you guys can see what that. Hell yeah! And Scott, we'll we'll play Book It. Book It. Uh, I've got to read the rules for that, but that looks interesting. Um, and uh, uh, so Doc, next time you come down here, uh, I've got a game that that you and I need to play. We'll we'll rope Obi John into it. I don't know if we can rope anybody else into it or not, but I think you will like it. And it's a game I have yet to be able to play because it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think it will be in your wheelhouse of interests. Excuse me. Because uh, hmm? is, is it curling? It is not curling, <laughs> but, but I can make that happen. <laughs> um, no, it's not curling. So you mentioned that you like games with, with lots of bits and components and with a little bit more complexity, things to think about and, and stuff. Right. And just from discussions you and I have had over the years, uh, you, yourself, like me, myself, uh, is an aficionado of the, uh, the, the, the Apollo era of the, uh, the, the space program. Ooh, I like where this is going. Exactly. So there's a game, and this is, I'm going to have to preface this. This would not be one of my higher recommendations for the public at large. So take what you're about to hear with a grain of salt. This is a game that I found at Gen Con three years ago. It was, it was not awful. being it was not being sold at Gen Con. I just saw people playing it. And I was having a very hard time concentrating on the game I was playing because I was trying to figure out what the hell this fascinating 
tidbit behind this was that was being played. It's a game called Leaving Earth. And it is literally the space race from the 1950s to the mid-1970s in card game format. Oh, nice. And the entire point of the game is risk management. So each player plays a a different space agency. You've got NASA, of course. You've got the Russian Space Agency. You've got China, and uh, I think there's a couple others in there. And you you get you know your budget every year of money, and you you have to research technology. Okay, so you start out, and everybody has they have these things called technology development, like the Juno rockets. So you 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 research Juno rockets. And once you pay for that research, you now know how to build a Juno rocket. And the interesting mechanic and what, what really drew me to this was so when you when you buy a when you build a Juno rocket, you have it on the card, and then you have these these cards on there that are either successes or failures. Okay. Yeah. And when you fire a new piece, or when you utilize a new piece of technology, because it can be a Juno rocket, it can be the the Saturn V rocket, uh, the you know the lunar module, the uh, you know different maneuvers you can do like like uh, in orbit rendezvous, stuff like that. Uh, when you do a new piece of technology, you take one of the cards and you flip it over, and that tells you if it's either a, a the the maneuver or the rocket or whatever the technology was a success. Hey, yeah, you did it. Uh, and it went off without a hitch, or it was a failure. And if it's a failure, then it tells you what the failure happened. You've got circumstances and consequences and blah, blah, blah. But then you pay money, and you get rid of that failure card. Okay? I like it. So the next time you do it, there's a higher chance it's going to succeed. Until you run through, and you've either gotten rid of all the cards, or the only thing you have left is the success... And once your only option is success, then you can you can get rid of it, and you now re, you've now perfected that technology. You you've tested it enough. You know the the bugs. It'll go off without a hitch every time. And so the space is is represented by cards. So the board is built out, and you've got different maneuver difficulties, like to get from Earth to Earth orbit is a specific maneuver. Okay, so. Each component on your spacecraft, because you've got the spacecraft, you've got the rocket, you've got the people, all have a all have a, a mass rating. So when you build your spacecraft and your rockets, you take the maneuver difficulty times the amount of mass, and that's how much thrust you have to produce to get from point A to point B. You sold me. Yeah. So you have to do a lot of mission planning. Uh, and and risk management. Like if you want to get to the Earth from the Earth to the Moon and back, you've got to plan to have enough thrust, and 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 successful, you know, successfully uh, planned or practiced uh, technology to to get you all the way there and back. Because at some point, if you don't have enough thrust, you can lose crew in space, and it's. By God, I just I, I love the concept of this game. I've read through the rule book 15, 20 times. It's it's literally my favorite rule book of all time. Um, and that's that's high praise <laughs> coming from Scott Cox. Because I don't know how many times I can tell you Scott has picked up the rule book to read through it and just starts under his breath and like Scott, what's wrong? That stupid rule book. I hate this rule book. 
<laughs> so yeah, this is definitely. I, I'll send you some pictures later of, of of this game, but yeah, this this just to me is just a beautiful game. It, but it's a game that really needs like a, an entire like nice Sunday afternoon or something to to delve into and to 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 figure out and to play with and stuff. So, but I think you would like it. Oh, I I know I would like it. That you just described like the perfect type of game for me. <laughs> it's got it's, math. It's got rockets. It's got about math. space. Yep. So clearly, uh, um, the doctor needs to pick uh, a week over the summer, uh, and we'll just have a game con. Yes, he does. In mm-hmm. fact, I vote for next week. Come on down. <laughs> give me, give me, give me. I, I got two weeks to put in for for time off. So give, give right. me two weeks. Two weeks. All right. Well, I would drive down next week in a heartbeat, but I'm teaching driver's education. And what better way to teach driver's education than a road trip? And by the way, uh, next time you... Well, never mind. I'll I'll talk to you about this off air. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we had a third topic, but we're going to jettison that for time. We'll do it next week. Because um, it, it'll keep... Uh, so that being said, anyone else have any other board games to recommend before we wrap this thing up? I'm Pokemon not going to get into game. What, what is that? It? Pokemon drinking game. You can print it offline. Pokemon drinking game. Okay. Scott is intrigued now. I am. Uh, I'm not going to go. Have a full, I have a full size copy of it, with, complete with four characters to use. Still need to bring a six pack though. Well, there you go. Um, I'm I'm not going to go into it, but I would highly recommend anybody listening to check out Western Legends. That's also a very good. I was going to pitch that too. That is an incredibly fun game. Is that uh, the one we've played? Yes, and now you, uh, there's the new the Gambler track in it now, right? Yes, With and I've expansion? got the, I've yeah. got the I've got the game mat for it too, so we don't have to use oh, the boards. All right, fuck it. We're pitching Western Legends. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a uh, hijinks in the old west. You you yeah. pick a character, uh, and then there's two. Or I guess three now different modes to play. There's you know, uh, outlaw, lawman, gambler. Um, well, and- yeah. So the point of the game is is to become the most legendary. So you're 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 trying to gain legendary points, which is basically just victory points, obviously. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of different ways that you can get legendary points. Uh, I mean, there's probably what close to ten or twelve different activities you know things yeah, and, you can do and what i love is everyone has uh depending again so if, which track you're on if you're on the the outlaw track you're stealing cattle if you're on the the lawman track you're hurting cattle yeah uh you're you're robbing the bank or you're stopping a bank robbery like every every scenario has its own flair for what track you're on yeah uh you, you can either like you say you can go the lawman route and you can be you can get on the marshal track Marshall, when yeah. And when you're on the Marshall track, you know the, you can, like you said, you can herd cattle, which means you go to one ranch and you pick up cattle, you take it to the train station, uh, and you get you know points for that. And the higher up on the Marshall track you are, uh, the more legendary points you'll get at the end of the game. Um, if you're on the outlaw track, uh, you can do things like rob the bank. Um, you can you can rustle cattle, which is you go to a ranch. Uh, you can uh, uh, you take it to another ranch and then you'll wrestle it and you'll go higher up on the on the on the the outlaw track. Uh, with the addition of the expansion, 
you can rob the train. That'll put you higher up on the outlaw track. And the higher up you are on the outlaw track, the more legendary points you will receive every turn. The Not more that the... son of a bitch Scott Cox will feel about when he arrests you for being... <laughs> yes. So, yeah, exactly. Because because the Marshall point, the Marshall track only gives you legendary points at the end of the game. The outlaw track gives you legendary points every turn because you can be arrested by another player, which I kind of like to do. It, it makes mm-hmm. me all warm and fuzzy inside. Um, you can be arrested by another player uh, and when it does, it knocks you off. It, it knocks you off the outlaw track. So it's, it can be very difficult to stay. On yeah, but you know what's track. not fun? And all four players are being like law-abiding citizens. Oh yeah, yeah. If, if yeah, you are the right. only someone, outlaw in the game, yeah, someone if, needed to be the bad guy. Yes, but if you are the only outlaw in the game, you've got a hard road to hoe. No road fucking hoe. shit. <laughs> I and in all honesty, this is something that amazes me because I've played a, you know several games of Western Legends with with several different configurations of groups and i have yet to see the reverse of that i have yet to see the majority of the players do the outlaw track and like we, only one person do the marshal track we can make that happen well we can make it happen what i'm saying is it's not happen naturally there's usually one or two on the outlaw and everybody else is marshal uh now also with the gam with with the new expansion there's the gambler track so you can get on the gambler track and be a, a professional gambler which we've only played one game with the new expansion before all this hit so we haven't explored that much yet but uh but there's other things you can do you know you can you can go mine for gold and deposit that in the bank that'll get you points and stuff and things but yeah it's it's just a really fun sandbox game if you if you're a fan of the old west uh, I highly recommend this game. It's just a really great game. I'll admit, I was a bit skeptical the first time we played it, and Scott sort of laying out all these different pieces and tiles and cards, and I was like, oh, God, what are we getting into? <laughs> uh, and as soon as we were done playing it the first time, I was like, uh, more? Can, can we keep going? Can, can we ignore that that person got the, the win condition and just keep playing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's oh, really what fun. Was that, what was the game I beat you in the first time we played? Like, you had 91 points and I had 92 Oh, that was uh, that was Blood Rage, and that was a that was a wonderful game. That was, uh, that was a fun game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, I like to win a game. Of course, I, I don't do it a lot. I do like to win. I try to win, but you know, when it comes down to, like, I got ninety one points, and then we go to your scoring. You're the last one to score <laughs> your points. You come in at ninety two. By God, that was just a well played game, sir. I, in all fairness, that was good. Yeah, it, it was. I, I believe I bragged about that on air for like three weeks, where I was like, <laughs> "And the uh, the first time I played Scott Cox board game with Scott Cox, beat him." Yeah, it's a great was, game too. Yeah, Blood Rage is a good game, and, and that was. Yeah, my hat yeah, is off. You're, to a, you you're a Viking clan during Ragnarok, trying to gain whatever glory there is left before the world ends. Super fun. Yep. Although uh, I have to say, this is this is something we may have to make a segment on here uh, at some point because I do have a house rule that I play for this game. Yes. Um, and I love house rules. I love house rules on games. Uh, I have one of the expansions for this game uh, where you have the uh, the Norse gods, um, you know, Odin, Loki, uh, Fanrir, whatever the fuck his name is, you know, Mulder, Scully, yeah, and. Uh, 
Um, you're supposed to play, I think, with like one or two of the gods. And like mm-hmm. after every player goes, there's a mechanic where they're supposed to move the gods around the board. And if there's a basically if there's a battle in an area with a god, then that god's unique ability tweaks the battle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we tried playing it that way once, and I didn't like it because you've got so much that you're focusing on and trying to take care of. Everybody forgets to move the gods. You, you just forget. I mean, yeah. I don't think about it. So I always play with a house role where we play with all the gods, and they just don't move. Just where they get placed on the board is where they're at. Uh, I think it's fun. It just adds the, the gods element to it, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And, but yeah, that's something I think uh, would, would be good to talk about this, uh, on a somewhat regular basis. I have house rules. Play, pick, I have pick written that down on my list of future topics. So, we, we'll we, and, yeah. Anyway. That. Very good game. Alright. Uh, with that, uh, um, that concludes, I believe, our show for tonight. Scott, roll that beautiful bean footage one more time for those playing the contest at home. There it is. If you can tell us with any reason, uh, reasonable degree of certainty, what weapon besides Julian's penis that is being played with, uh, we'll give you that code for 30 days of free shutter that you definitely have to get through us and cannot just go Google code for free shutter to find. <clears throat> definitely something we have. And also shutter. If you're listening, we're still selling out for shutter. Uh, we'll be happy to be sponsored. We're cheap. Uh, but with that, thank you, Koran. Thank you, Captain uh, Commander Scott. Thank you, Doc. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.